Hello and welcome back. This podcast has been going for almost a year now. We're fast approaching episode 52. And it's made possible by our sponsors. Our first sponsor for today is Om Apparel. Om is a men's clothing brand that wants to encourage more fellas to do yoga. Yoga is in their DNA and it's reflected in everything they do, from being kinder to the environment by using sustainable and recycled fabrics to their recycled paper packaging and focus on geezer's health. Their fabrics are eco-certified because our planet really can't afford much more irresponsible manufacturing now, can it? If you would like to avail of the Yoga Life podcast discount with OM, go to OM.com forward slash hashtag T-Y-L-P. That's O-H-M-M-E dot com forward slash hashtag T-Y-L-P. You'll be able to select from the full range of eco-active wear for men. Using the promo code Kevin, when you get to checkout, you get 15% off all your gear. That's Kevin at checkout for 15% off. Next up, we have 108 Asana Yoga Sequencing Cards by Yogaru. Making your sequencing simple, bridging that gap between the studio classes and your home practice. They're beautifully handcrafted cards that you can find out all information, including alignment cues, level guides, anatomy coding, and Sanskrit to English names. Simply go to yogaru.ie, go to checkout first, and then once you've checked out, go and put in the promo code Kevin for 10% off your deck of cards. So that's Kevin at checkout for 10% off. And last but most definitely not least is Small Changes. Eco-friendly plant-based whole food store here in Dublin, Fair City. They they don't currently have an online offering, but they're encouraging people to come in if you're in the Drum Conjure area. And if it's summertime 2019 and you're in the Glass Nevin area because they're opening a new one up, Come in, get yourself some grub, leave the plastic behind, bring in your refillable cup, you get 50 cent off your uh, juice or your smoothie. There's no promo code, no commission for this. I am encouraging more and more people to live sustainably, to try and shop local. So if you're in the Dublin area living here, or if you're coming to visit, check out Small Changes. If you wanna read more about them, go to smallchanges.ie. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest today, Joe O'Brien. I met Joe at a speaking event called Find Your Passion here in Dublin. Joe has a master's from the University of Bath in health and medical psychology. Joe was a a great speaker. He's someone who specializes in how social media can affect our health, our mental health. I think this is something we'll all need to become aware of because it's not going anywhere. It's only gonna become uh, more and more invasive in our lives, technology, social media, and I think we have to understand our relationship with it. So I hope you learn a lot from this. As always, if you do, please share this with your friends on social media, ironically, uh, for your Instagram stories. And um, yeah, here's the music and then there'll be Joe. What's up, Joe? What's up, dude? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Are, are we live? <laughs> We're live, man. I suppose technically we're not live. It's pre-recorded, but um, live sounds better. Sweet. We are alive. <laughs> so, Joe, um, we met last week at um, a speaking event. Um, 
You, you're pretty comfortable talking in front of people. You've done that before. Um, not, not particularly. Um, I've done. I'm a musician as well. Oh, so right. um, I've performed in front of people and stuff like that. You know, years ago, I guess. Um, so, in terms of that aspect, I guess it's just carried over a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Once I'm confident in what I'm speaking about, it's okay too. Um, whereas when you give presentations in college and you don't know what you're talking about, that's when the that's when the nerves kick in. So, um, yeah, I don't mind. I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in talking to people and speaking at the event last week was, was super cool. Yeah, it was. It was, um, so for the people that don't know, it was that find your passion. And the format was kind of unusual. It was like a speed dating yeah. format. Group speed dating, essentially. Yeah, group speed dating. And what, what I noticed there was that... Um, most people didn't know who I was. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was I was like, oh, I had to kind of introduce myself. But I think I think that's really good practice for uh, just getting used to doing like an elevator pitch almost. You know, being able to say, if someone asks you, what do you do? And you can just, you know, concisely and you can say it. Um, so with that, Joe, what, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I had to run through this. I have plenty of practice from this uh, yeah. from last week. But um my nine to five is actually um, as part of a mental health team that works in corporate wellness. So we do um, on-site uh, kind of mental health offerings, things like workshops, seminars. Um, outside of that, uh, I guess the reason I got involved in the event last week was because I run an Instagram page called Headfirst. Um, it's at Headfirst Zero. Nice plug. Nice. Um, but uh, what that is is, is spreading mental health information um, that's from a good source, essentially. So what I tend to put out is stuff that's based on... Uh, good quality research papers, science-based, evidence-based. Um, because I'm in the industry, I think it's important to spread the message that's coming from, you know, I work a lot with with chartered psychologists, psychotherapists, and we want the information that goes out to be really clear. None of this kind of self-proclaimed well-being, you know, specialist stuff that you do see a lot in social media where people promote, you know, all sorts of different types of remedies and promote X, Y, and Z that has no backing in science. And fair enough if that works for you, like that's okay. But what the ideal situation is, is that people know what's backed by evidence and, and, and what isn't. So that's where my, my page comes in. I also recently started a podcast. I have two podcasts at the moment, but um, <laughs> wow. it's just essentially um, I want to spread the message that, um, you know, good quality mental health information uh, so people can understand if they're struggling themselves, but also for everybody to understand what other people are going through too. Hmm. What What's... You said earlier downstairs when we were having a, a cup of tea that you, you really love your job, which is great. But what drives you to do that? What's your own background? Is there something that, because um, you're so prolific on social media, you do these long videos, what's your why? Why do you do it? Uh <laughs> The reason I got into it in the first place, I was always, always intrigued. Well, well my first passion was rugby. I wanted to be a rugby player initially. Um, once that kind of depleted, I guess, um, my second option was to be a psychologist. Um, I was always intrigued with behavior and how your mind affects your body and stuff like that. Because, like I said, rugby player, I would go into big games and I would never be able to eat. I would always suffer massively with nerves. Um, I've got sick before so many games, like countless games, when I was a teenager. Also, used to struggle in school. Was like, I used to think I was the worst teenager of all time, the worst, uh, the worst kid that that parents could have. Um, but all of these things got me thinking about why your mind affects your behavior and and vice versa. Um, and I remember um, I was referred to like a guidance counselor essentially um, back in the day when I was in school and I was struggling massively. I was failing exams and stuff like that. Um, and what that what that guidance counselor told me was um 
you need to try harder like you're to blame what you're doing is your fault essentially why you're failing is your fault which in my opinion it wasn't even at that age I knew that this wasn't right so as my second passion behind rugby I wanted to make sure that nobody was ever in that position where they felt absolutely helpless Mm. in a position where um, you're really struggling personally and you don't know where to turn to or who to go to because you've gone to like a trusted adult who should be uh, you know somebody who can advise you well and who just hasn't done that um so that was the reason I, I kind of started studying psychology in the first place um after that the reason behind the instagram page and, and pursuing it further um a friend of mine actually raised a lot of money in november for men's mental health and i was actually really impressed with how he did it he raised three grand um by himself just like normal guy just one of one of my friends and i thought that was really really impressive because he has no specific i guess interest or or background in mental health but just did it because he thought it's a good cause and i thought to myself i'm here with you know uh, uh, an undergraduate in psychology a master's in health psychology and i'm always complaining that you know people misunderstand uh people misunderstand psychology and mental health and i'm doing nothing about it so that person actually kind of inspired me to think about doing something more and it was on the same day that he had raised three grand that I spoke with my manager in work, who's a chartered psychologist, and we were speaking about how poor the information is around mental health and psychology online. And like I said, how these self-proclaimed wellness experts um, put out information as if it's fact because it might have helped them at one point in their lives. Um, and they th- then assume that it applies to everybody. And I thought it was more important that we have a broader perspective from somebody who's actually in the area of mental health. So. Mm-hmm. Between those two things, on the same day, I still remember the date is the twenty eighth of November. I just went home. <laughs> I, still, I just went home when I started this page, and I was like, "Wait, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do this. Um, hmm. I'm gonna just set up this page. I'm gonna put out mental health information." And even that was super scary. I, uh, I uploaded a video onto my personal Instagram, and I said, "This is what I'm doing." Uh, it was a minute long. I explained exactly what the page was gonna be. I turned off my phone and I went to the gym and I left my phone at home because I, I was so nervous about what kind of feedback it was gonna get, and then. When I came back, I had like four or five hundred followers with no posts on my new page because people were so intrigued as to what was going to come next. You know, mm-hmm. what is evidence based mental health? And I guess that kind of inspired me then to keep going. You know, people actually cared about it. People, people care about mental health. People care about bettering themselves. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have a mental health issue, people care about promoting their mental health. So that kind of inspired me really to, to get cracking and, and create some content because I had no plan when I put up that, that first video. Mm. Yeah. Um- <clears throat> well, science ba- science backed is um, it, as you said that makes sense as opposed to it's not going to be one size fits all you know um, in terms of the mental health the actual term I think a lot of people would feel uncomfortable talking about their mental health because they may be confused that with mental illness um, but what what would you say is the, the, the difference uh, um, between those two terms so um I always say that we need to look at mental health as being on a continuum. So that means that everyone is is on the same scale, whether they fall into a category of having a mental health disorder, which would be kind of down the bottom end of the scale of of severely struggling, um, or the top end of the scale would be like really positive mental health and they rarely, if they ever, struggle. But there's nothing stopping you, if you don't take care of yourself, from going from the top of that scale to the bottom of that scale quite quickly if something significant happens or you turn to a poor coping mechanism or whatever it is you can develop a mental health disorder um even if you don't struggle at all with your mental health so the differentiation between the two is i guess 
you can struggle with your mental health without ever having a mental health disorder. And it's one thing that I touched on in my first podcast was um, that the absence of illness does not mean health. Mm. So just because you don't have a mental health disorder doesn't mean that your mental health is really positive. You still might struggle. You might struggle with day-to-day stress. You might have low mood a lot, but not enough to be categorized with a mental health disorder. Mm. So there's kind of a fine line in that um, you can struggle a lot without quite meeting the criteria for a mental health disorder. But then again, there's nothing stopping you from going from any area uh, on that spectrum of mental health to another. And if you compare that to to physical health, I compared it on my podcast to, to like physical fitness. If you're somebody who is, let's say you're overweight and you really struggle with your weight and, you know, you're getting chronic pain, let's say, in relation to struggling with your physical fitness, you would be kind of down the bottom end of the scale. But there's nothing stopping you from getting yourself in good physical shape with a lot of training and you work your way up through that continuum and onto, you know, more positive, um, a healthier, healthier body, essentially. You can get to the pinnacle, let's say, of uh, physical fitness. But again, there's nothing stopping you from going from a really positive place in terms of physical fitness back down to where you were if you don't look after your physical fitness. Mm-hmm. So it, it mental health works similar to that in that there is a, a, a category of mental health uh, illnesses and mental health disorders that would be kind of down the bottom end of the continuum and there's nothing stopping anybody from going kind of one end to the other, I guess. Mm. So to, to let people know that or to make people realise that we're all on that continuum just at different different Absolutely. places. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what would you say, would you, well, firstly, would you say that mental health, according to the, the evidence that you have, is becoming more of a, an issue for people in, in the modern age than it was maybe 10, 15 years ago? Well, we see now that there is certainly a, a rise in the terms of, in terms of presentations. Now, it's difficult to say if that's that there's more mental health disorders or that people are more aware of them and will go and seek help and go and actually get treated for them. Um, we do see a rise in uh, things like, um, for example, like eating behaviours and uh, things like things related to social media. We see we see those things kind of cropping up a little bit more. They're causing, I wouldn't say they're causing, but they might be a trigger for more and more stress-related stuff. Um, there's certainly an increase in anxiety over the last 10 years, and I think that mirrors the kind of burst in depression that we saw maybe 10 or 15 years ago. There was a big thing around depression. Um, we're definitely seeing a spike in anxiety at the moment. Mm. How do, is that measured? Um, as far as I know, it's it's around uh, presentations, um, admissions, hospital admissions, uh, that, okay. kind of, that kind of thing. I'm not 100% sure, but... Uh, from what I gather from working with cl- clinicians, they say uh, even GPs. I spoke to a GP recently, who, you know, from the from the practice based stuff that they're doing, they see an awful lot of people presenting with anxiety a lot more than they would have maybe ten or fifteen years ago. Okay, it, it, for, I mean, you touched on it there talking about social media, but from a social, uh, what what social or cultural factors uh, in in the uh, that uh, that we experience now would you say have exacerbated this? Um, trend of anxiety I think there's a massive thing around um, being super busy our our lifestyles now are very <laughs> very different to what they were you know well not that I was in the busy lifestyle 15 years ago but there's a constant connection if you t- if you talk about if we're talking about technology and the rise in technology there's a constant connection to technology all the time so there's a concept in psychology called telepressure and that is the kind of urge or the um, 
I would say the urge or the compulsion to re- instantly reply to messages, instantly reply to emails, uh, instantly reply to phone calls and be available all the time. And that creates its own um, kind of stress or anxiety within people because work 20 years ago used to end when work ended. If you went home at five o'clock, you were done and, and you could switch off. But now you can almost stay connected at all times. If, if you get an email at nine o'clock at night, you can then maybe worry about that from nine till 11, even though you can't do anything about it until 9 a.m. the next day or whatever it is. So um, definitely the shift in technology has, has impacted a little bit. Um, as well as that, the, the kids, the teenagers are growing up now, they face a lot of different um, challenges than they used to. So um, the job issue, for, for instance, now it's no longer deemed that you're good enough if you only have an undergraduate degree or even leaving certificate or even like you know your your high school sort of stuff it's it's no longer good enough just to have that now you have to have uh, an undergraduate degree and even if you don't have an or if you have an undergraduate degree sometimes you still need a master's sometimes you still need a phd i find that in my own industry um in psychology and mental health there's like base level entry level jobs that you basically can't apply for unless you have a master's and that's you know five years of education and a lot of money before you get entry-level salaries so mm. i think that's another thing that's that's bringing up pressure especially for the kind of younger generation mm. yeah, and also maybe people don't realize this but i know from firsthand that when i did my teacher training uh, yoga teacher training they gave us we had modules on how to use instagram and built into the algorithms are reward systems for being more responsive. So for example, if someone comments on your post, you should comment within re- or reply within two hours, supposedly, in order to, for that post to be seen more. Um, I mean, I, maybe this is common knowledge, but Instagram, you they have a department, which is obviously owned by Facebook, called, I think it's called the captivation department. Um, and essentially it's like how to get people more addicted through algorithms. So they're rewarding you for, for using the app more. And even if you were to, cause I used to work for an AI company, artificial intelligence, and uh, all the engineers there didn't use Google. They use a thing called DuckDuckGo, which is a search engine, which doesn't record your, um, your searches. And they would never use Gmail. Uh, so they were telling me that with with Instagram, if you put a post up and you get 30 likes in five minutes, you're not shown those 30 likes in those five minutes. They drip feed you the, the likes throughout the day. And therefore, you know, if you open your phone, whether you get 10 likes or one, you're still going to get that dopamine hit. So the more you open the phone during the day, the more you're going to engage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 uh, that's that's not surprising to me at all like they're people i think people are a little bit ignorant towards it or, or kind of naive in that they mm. don't realize that these phones are and these technologies these apps are, are designed on purpose there's a reason that people's phones are basically an extension of their arm at the moment because it does give you that release if, if you talk about you know 20 years ago social acceptance would have been somebody giving you a compliment or you hanging out with your mate now it's that times a hundred times a thousand it's like that on steroids Mm. because you can have that instant interaction that social feedback through so many different social media platforms and like you said drip fed with you or or throughout the day to you so that you keep on checking so that it, it becomes kind of a compulsion and 
some of the research has, has actually touched on it a little bit in that it's it's talking about um, problematic phone use and problematic social media use. And part of that is the inability to um, resist or the inability to, to, you know, abstain from your phone willingly. Um, but it's driven by that in that we, we have this urge to, I guess it is engagement. You know, we're, we're human beings. We want to be responsive and we want to talk to other human beings. Whether that you know, social media has facilitated that in a way that that amplifies it by, you know, unlimited amounts, and it's no surprise that that you know, your these these specific departments are, are trying to get people to engage like like they are and mm-hmm. become what you know. It's not a defined addiction yet, but but become addicted, and it definitely mirrors addictive properties. But what's the I I'm going to ask you what the solution is if there is one because I romanticize about living in a hunter gatherer society. I mean, I've talked about this before. I actually went down to Limerick or somewhere down the country. I should know that. Uh, I went down the countryside anyway last year with my girlfriend to go to this organic village that has a hundred people living there, and they self-sustain homes and they're living off the grid. They only have one generator, one street light, and I thought, I thought this is what I want. I want to know my neighbours and share resources. And then when you go down there, although everyone was lovely, you realise they have their own problems too. One is work. What would you do in a place that has a hundred residents? You're not going to teach yoga because you're not. <laughs> you know, and so that I'd meet people that actually would commute to Dublin from there. Oh well, I think it was in no, where was it? Limerick, Tipperary. Tipperary. It was in Tipperary. Okay, um, and they would commute to, from Tipperary to Dublin to work, uh, which is crazy because you realise that technology now gives us so many job opportunities, but down there they don't have. A fast enough broadband so you can't actually do your work well. so th- these things and and also you think uh, would you would you actually be happy in that society living 50 100 years ago like um so maybe it isn't the the tools that are the problem maybe it's how how we're using them you know like 100 percent. it look it gives you social media and technology gives you a lot of opportunities that you wouldn't have had 10 or 15 years ago that's that's not really arguable in terms of yeah you can work from home you can work you can work from a distance you can you know you can do a lot more things than, than than you could have done 10 or 15 years ago but i think one of the things that i find in that we are moving further away from from nature in that mm. if somebody goes to a psychotherapist tomorrow and is struggling with x y and z mental health struggle they're going to make sure they have the basics in place before you know they're, they're going to make sure they have core mental health foundations in place before they kind of go into the deeper stuff and those things are the things that technology sometimes takes away from us, like the basics like sleep. You'd imagine that somebody who has no technology will probably fall asleep at the right time because they're tired. Whereas if you have social media, if you have Netflix, if you have TVs, you're more likely to engage in those things and stay up later than you're tired the next day. Um, similarly, if you don't have social media, if you don't have a TV for a prolonged period of time you're not just going to sit on your own you're going to go out and seek that that social interaction whereas social media allows you to stay in your house alone but still get i guess an aspect of that so there is part of me that really appreciates the people who live in those kind of societies and that they they have all the basics and the core fundamentals in place the social connectedness the you know they're probably out and about exercising doing a lot of physical activity because if you're saying they're they self um you know they they grow their own whatever they're yeah yeah all that sort of stuff 
they're probably getting a lot of activity. So they have loads of core um, core basics for health in place. Of course, the work issue is, is another one um, that, that it must be a struggle. But in terms of what they have, what they do have is, is core foundations that I think sometimes technology can take us away from. Yeah. See, this is so funny because like phone and sleep. Okay. I had a policy in my house. I mean, policy is too much of a strong word. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, sent the memo to my girlfriend. No, I had a, a policy in my house that there's no phone in the bedroom at all. But then I realized that I wasn't sleeping that well. So there's an app on your phone that measures your sleep. Okay. okay. <laughs> so in order for me to sleep, well, I use this app on my phone and therefore my phone is in my bedroom. But what's kind of creepy about it is it records you. Um, so it tells you, tells you how good your sleep is by how little noise you make is this uh which one is the sleep cycle sleep cycle yeah okay. yeah and um it's been said that i snore i mean we you know, okay who knows <laughs> <laughs> He's asking. but it plays recordings of you um snoring throughout the night okay which i do average about 13 minutes and um i thought wow well, i'm being recorded as i sleep scary that is crazy and that uh, where does that information go and then when I wake up in the morning, the first light I see is the blue haze from my phone mm-hmm. screen. I, I don't actually look out and see the light from the sun or from the gray clouds or whatever um, until I probably leave the house. And sometimes I don't leave the house till later on the day. And that, that is, so the irony there is that I want to sleep better and I'm using an app to help me sleep. It's a bit like the meditation app, the um, mind Mindfulness or Headspace? Headspace. Headspace. It's ironic that you want to meditate, but you're using an app to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, the, the thing with technology and sleep blows my mind. Um, people don't, people really, really underestimate how much of an impact it does have on your sleep. Um, essentially, right, if you are exposed to, to blue light or any light for that matter, but specifically blue light because of its intensity and its frequency, um, what that actually does is it has a physiological reaction in the brain. So it actually suppresses melatonin. And melatonin is the thing that um, initiates your sleep cycle. So it's like a key component and you're suppressing that by being on your phone at night. And you often hear people come back to that and they say, oh, well, I'm on my phone and I fall asleep straight away. And that just shows how tired you must be for you to have less melatonin in your system and still be able to fall asleep straight away. Mm. It also impacts um, the brain waves when we fall asleep. So there's a thing called um, beta waves and delta waves. And beta waves, I think, are the slow wave, um, slow brain waves that occur during deep sleep. uh, Exposing yourself to blue light late at night will also impact the quality of um, of those brain waves. So... Even if you do fall asleep, and even if you do suppress melatonin, you still get to sleep. You're still impacting the quality of your sleep at night by exposing yourself to your phone. It's mm. it's incredible. Like sleep is or sleep, um, light is one of the the best. Um, it's a thing called a, a zeitgeber, I think it's called, um, and that is the trigger for our circadian rhythm. And light light is like the primary one of those. So by exposing yourself to light, like you said, in the morning. If that's the first light you see, it's probably not a great thing. Like exposing yourself to daylight, which is the most intense light you're going to get in the morning, is like a really, really positive thing you can do. Mm. In the winter months, it might be worth getting one of those wake lights. I don't know if you've seen them around. But... I've got them. I've got oh, them as yeah? well, but I always happen to wake up before it. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, that's probably good. That probably says a lot about your, your circadian rhythm or, or the pattern that, that you're in. It's probably a good thing. Um, 
but again, if you're exposing to your, yourself to light, um, whether it be blue light or whatever, late at night, it will impact your sleep um, regardless of whether you're able to get to sleep or not. Mm. So the the thing with phones and, and sleep really, that, that does, it blows my mind because people don't understand that it has a physiological reaction whether you get to sleep or not. Do those glasses work that you put on that filter the light? Yeah, so um, there's the thing with those is that they filter to an extent um, in that you know you can change your phone settings to have that kind of orangey yellowy feel mm-hmm. um but it's not only the um it's not only the type of light but also the intensity and the distance from your eye so even if you're wearing the glasses and you have the settings on your phone if you're still exposing yourself to some form of light it can ha- it can still have some impact obviously it's not as great it's dampened um they're not 100 percent perfect but they do i guess uh, improve things you see I'm 37 and I first discovered the internet when I was, because we're on the topic of social media uh, um, and mental health. I first discovered the internet really when I was 18. remember someone gave me uh, their email address and I thought, email? <laughs> I was like, it's actually, um, oh, it's a long story, but it's, uh, it was my first love, if you could say. And okay. uh, she, she she lived up in uh, Leeds and uh, met her, had a bit of a holiday romance. And then uh, she... Uh, she was like, uh, we started, we'd write love letters to each other. But I remember when she was giving me, I had a mobile I wanted to show off because mobiles had just come out really okay. around then. So I was like, oh, I've got a mobile phone number. And she goes, here's my email. I said, I was like, email, that's never going to take off. <laughs> you, you nerds, you know. <laughs> Who has email? And uh, anyway, but um, so so I'm, I know what it was like before Facebook, before um, mobile phones even. And but I do I do actually speaking on that I do remember getting a text on my mobile and feeling like I had I had physically something in my hand that I needed to give back. It was really weird. It was like I feel like I have something on me. This little little uh, envelope I can see on my my Ericsson whatever phone it was. And um, but I so I know what it was like before then. But my question is for people that are listening to this who have kids, what is the what is the kind of um, I don't know the uh, effect. Would you say on on like people in secondary school or that have grown up with this compared to parts on in my generation? Yeah, it's, look, it it can have so many different impacts. One with mental health, like I just talked about, is is sleep. The impact it has on sleep, like sleep, is one of the primary predictors of of all mental health issues. So we're seeing a spike in in anxiety, like I said, but also in that age group, that kind of teenage year stuff. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Now, there's no, the reason is that there's no data to really to back this up is that because social media is so new, there's nothing comprehensive that's been done in the last, you know, let's say 10 years. Because if you think about the recession was what, 2008, nobody was funding these psychology studies up until kind of that turned around. No one was saying, right, this is super important because there was other things to think about. So there's no concrete data there to say, um, you know this is really impacting the teenagers now but number one thing like like i said sleep is is a primary predictor of almost you know so 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 many uh, mental health issues but as well as that the social media stuff um the kids now they're growing up with with social media so it's it's difficult to say mm. do they know how to socialize now with with people you know are they is their primary form of social communication through their phone mm. um that would be a massive concern I have. And one of the recommendations I always make when I'm talking about this is if you're a parent and you're looking after your kids, make like 
try and make sure that they use that to facilitate in-person communication because loneliness as well like we know it from the elderly as well as as young people but being alone for long periods of time we're human beings we need social interaction that can be a massive uh, a massive contributor to to feeling down or, or feeling low and that over time if that's if that's what you grow up with there's no wonder that maybe you're struggling with your mood or that you're struggling with even social skills mm. because they grow up with this all they know is you know <laughs> i always say like with my friends and stuff we used to always go and knock on people's doors but now it's i'll text you when i'm outside and there's yeah. no when's the last time somebody turned up to someone's house and, and knocked on their door to see if they were in it doesn't happen anymore because it's almost the go-to technology is like the go-to social media is the go-to um so i'd say if you're a parent like try and guide your children into still having that social interaction because it is super important we know that from the limited evidence that there is that um social media can be quite isolating and it can exacerbate uh symptoms of anxiety or symptoms of of depression and it is associated with those things and higher stress levels and things like that so um, if you're to go by the limited evidence that we have now it, it definitely is a contributor um one of my posts recently was on social media detoxes and they found that um the type of user actually mattered as to how how much of an impact it had on their on their mental health on their stress levels so they said that passive users which were people who would log on just as frequently as anybody else but didn't interact with people so didn't you know send messages or didn't comment or didn't share things those people were more likely to be affected um by using social media and they actually had a bigger increase in uh, significance in terms of the improvement that they had in their mental health when they gave it up and the two studies that i referenced one was uh, i think a week long uh, period where they gave it up and one was a five day period and both showed um physiological s- signs of stress improving wow. um, just in, just in that short period yeah it re- really uh, really hit me because um these aren't just people saying oh i feel better because i came off social media these are like uh, measurable measurable aspects of well-being like what i think that what they measured was cortisol which is a primary um stress hormone in the body so what they did was they measured cortisol uh, before, during, and after, um, or it might have just been before and after. From um, saliva, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, and what that showed is that is that their cortisol levels decreased, but the type of user matters. So heavier users experience more um, mood-related stuff in regards to social media. So the heavier user you are, but also the type of user you are. So you could be a passive user and be scrolling and, and never ever engage with anybody, and I would imagine that that, that is quite isolating because you're seeing everybody else have fun you're comparing yourself to other people's lives but you're not interacting with anybody and theoretically you can see why that might be a huge issue and would you say for kids growing up there's a difference between how social media affects the mental health of boys versus girls it's really difficult to say um like i said there's no concrete evidence Mm. um there is a debate around eating disorders and eating behaviors and and teenage girls and young girls and it, again it's 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 very difficult to say for sure but i i said recently um on my podcast that i did yesterday that um i don't think it's a primary cause i would never say it's a that social media is the is the sole cause like there's obviously so many different contributors to mental health issues um and for somebody to say that social media is the single cause of of any mental health struggle is is probably a bit far um what i would say is that one of the things especially with eating behaviors is that a constant focus on weight and body image and a focus on 
um how you look how you you know how you display yourself online and mm-hmm. um, that is one of the primary predictors of um disordered eating so uh, kind of a, a preoccupation with things like calorie counting, things like dieting, things like looking like X, Y, and Z. Mm. That's one of the primary predictors of, of disordered eating. And I, I think that definitely applies to females more yeah. than it would to males in terms of what they see on social media. It doesn't apply to them in general more than, than it does to men in terms of disordered eating. But I think the message that a lot of female, I guess, inverted commas, idols um, give out is around body image and, oh, yeah. and looking well so oh completely uh, it's i mean if you i was reading a, a study it could just on this topic about this and saying it was saying how when in terms of expressing aggression boys will do it physically but girls will do it psychologically so if two boys when you're growing up get into an argument you have a fist fight um and that's it done with essentially and then you know whoever wins has won the, the battle but with girls they will um, gossip or try to destroy someone socially, uh, like by you know uh, trying to disparage them in front of the, in front of their peers. And it, it was saying how like if you give a boy an iPhone, he'll he'll play games and look at porn. You give a girl an you give a girl an iPhone, and she will try to um, they'll they'll want to get get entangled in conversation so on what's it called snapchat i don't use it but they have a thing called um it's a a system put in like a conversation stream where you have to reply to every 24 hours and if you don't um it will say like you've you've spoken for 120 days on the trot without like losing a day oh that's the streaks streaks yeah, that's yeah. it uh, and then but, but that but that, that yeah. itself is is a psychological technique to keep people engaged yeah. make sure you're using this or you'll lose your streak mm-hmm. so that alone is is obviously a, a mechanism that's been put in to keep people engaged mm-hmm. yeah but i think um it, it's so i'm talking about girls there and how um this this study was saying that girls are great greatly affect uh, they have more has more damaging effects to girls mental health than it does boys generally but i think a topic that doesn't get discussed um is pornography with with boys and and like how when i was growing up i remember we were like um (laughs) me and my mate we were probably 15 (laughs) we were standing outside the centra and uh i i said uh you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is kind of an inappropriate conversation, but, <laughs> but this is this is the truth though. This is, what it's, yeah. this is what it's like growing up in a, when I was a teenager, and we went into like who's going to buy the porno mag. So we were debating who's going to go in, and then uh, when we did, it was like a big deal, and it was oh my god, I can't believe this. But now with with boys growing up, it's something that's in their phone on their phone constantly, and they can look whenever they want, and um that can't be good for your mental health i mean russell brand has talked about this before yeah and jay with jay shetty how um how boys are struggling with this but but what is what is the solution i mean if you so maybe like if you had kids what would you what would be your strategy i think for lads in general for guys growing up we know that these impulsive behaviors these things that have a huge reward in the brain and it's natural right at that age it's natural to have the drive to whatever mate or look towards you know you've massive hormone release at that age hormone spike it's natural to kind of seek that out but what technology has allowed us to do similar to that with social media and and kind of social amplification this has amplified that again by an unlimited kind of amount and 
it certainly isn't isn't healthy in that if you engage in that all the time you're going to rewire your brain when you have these dopamine releases you literally wire your brain into a habit Mm. and we see it with phones people constantly checking whether they have notifications or not that's a habit similar to that with pornography that will be ingrained more and more the more you access it the more you you use it and we see an awful lot that one of the one of the predictors of, of how often people will use that is if they're if they're lonely, if they're alone. If you have, you know, if you're socializing every night of the week in person with different people, it's less likely that you're going to engage in these things that will be problematic. So if you're saying what's the solution, I don't know if, if that's a solution per se, but if you're a parent and you're looking at your kids and they think that socializing is them being on their phones for the night Monday to Saturday. That's, I would say absolutely promote that in-person engagement because mm-hmm. it's such a huge, huge predictor of, of mental health is, is being connected with people. And even going back to the girls and the boys example, if you're releasing your tension through pornography, it's going to develop an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. similar to the girls. If, if they're internalizing their, you know, issues, um, or you know externalizing them through social media it can definitely be more problematic to hold on to that than for example the boys who have a fight mm-hmm. um because um so th- i guess it's not really a solution per se but it would it would reduce the risk of of somebody developing a, an unhealthy relationship with pornography if they're going to not rely on that but socialize and then externalize their issues with you know with their friends with with their social with their social circle but you know we all want to be loved and receive give love and receive love and if you are thinking that um pornography is like real life no woman is going to like that and it's um you're not going to be able to actually develop healthy relationships and and as you said that's what life is about is relationships um and i think that that's something it's just the thing is in in ireland particularly in ireland but maybe in england as well we even saying the word pornography is something that people are uncomfortable doing but um now as a 37 year old man i mean like i'm pretty relaxed and and kind of um but when i was when you're you're a teenage boy like they're the horniest people you you can meet it's it's right 100 it's frightening and um this is like put the fact you have it on your phone is fuel on the fire um but um, it, it has been shown to, to impact um, in-person relationships in that you start viewing people differently. You start viewing women differently. Mm-hmm. If, if you are a problematic um, pornography user, that, that can certainly impact your, your in-person relationships. What, what, have, have you seen any countries that, are, like I'm thinking about when I was in Japan and how Japan now have, I mean, they're on the, the technological cusp, as is Korea. I, was li- I lived in Korea for a couple of years. They have more Wi-Fi connections or the highest or the fastest Wi-Fi in the world. That's what they, they are very proud of that, which is cool. But um, they are, their relationships are so unusual because they will do things like you go into this hotel, for example, when it's not a brothel, but you would pay for five quid for like to look in someone's eyes. You just lie next to them, look in their eyes, then 15 quid to maybe hold their hand. And then it's basically compart or decompartmentalized in a relationship, instead of having an actual relationship where yeah. you suffer arg- or arguments or uh, moments where you're you may, might be getting a doghouse or your missus or whatever it yeah, is, yeah. and um, 
and it's, and making it more of a, an exchange process. I can just pay for this service, which is looking at someone's eyes. Yeah. And so I look at Japan and I think, and although I love Japan, it's got loads of great things going for it. The way they've culturally, their culture, the site has changed through technology. Uh, it's gone to the extreme. Um, is there any like um, countries that are, that are, have actually like banned social media or or smartphones or anything like that? Or kind of I don't I don't know of any. Um, but just because you bring up Japan, am I right in saying that Japan also had to have some sort of um, government intervention with the amount of children that they're not having? Probably because there's too many old people. Uh, <laughs> too many old people. And old people, it's all good. But um, they're so they have the oldest uh, population in the world. They have more people over like thirty percent of their people are over seventy or something like that. And therefore, they don't have a, a health. You know, they can't generate healthy workforce. I but think I think their birth rate was so low that they that they had some sort of promotion to try and get people to have children. I, <laughs> get the I, leg over. Look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, I think I remember reading that. Um, could be a couple of years ago at this point, but it's it from your experience of, of their culture, it would seems to make sense. Yeah. Um, so going back back to um, kind of rounding this off, your your mission, as it were, and, and this good stuff you're doing on um, on social media <laughs> through, through yeah yeah through promoting <laughs> no, but through promoting mental health. I mean, yeah. as you know, a hammer is a, it can be used to smash something or build something. So these t- these tools are not going anywhere. They're here to stay. Yeah, and they're only going to get more per- pervasive um, in our life. Yeah, you know, until eventually it's a chip in our body and it can kind of read our thoughts read and feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So having conversations like this is where the change comes, not through trying to ban things. Yeah. That's never going to happen. We, we're humans. We want to evolve. We want to progress. We're you know. Um, so what's what's your not maybe not your mission but what do you plan to do to kind of um make make that change firstly is i think a lot of the stigma is around miseducation so people misunderstanding different aspects of of uh, mental health especially around uh, depression um but also in in other areas and i think if I am a space where people can can go to, if I'm a if I'm a page or a platform that people can go to to see, oh, you know, am I struggling with uh, anxiety or is it something else? Am I worried about nothing or whatever? If there's a space there that I can answer questions or put up content that informs people and in turn reduces stigma, then that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I described this last week talking to a group and at that Find Your Passion event because. I've had at least five or 600 messages of people looking for advice. Um, and I've only had the page four months. So for that amount of people, I, I think to myself, and again, it's one of the motivators to keep going is, um, where would they have gone? You know, who, who would they have turned to? They might've turned to one of the self-proclaimed experts who don't have any qualifications in the area and got really bad advice. And that, and that in mental health can be detrimental. So, I guess my goal is to have a space where people can come where they know that the information is is of of reasonably good quality and and hopefully backed by by evidence or backed by science and if they're struggling to understand themselves better and to be able to identify when they need further support because I'm not a therapist I'm not a chartered psychologist I don't take on clients um that means that if the, if you come to me and you want to say you know do I have depression I won't be able to answer that 
but what I hope to do is be able to create a space where at least I can point them in the right direction and get them started on the right path. Whereas I feel like a lot of people are, like if we're talking about our generation, like my generation and the younger generation, um, and not knowing where to turn, they turn to social media and they turn to technology. So if I'm one person on social media who they can turn to to, to get advice, if, if they're too worried to go to a GP or they're too worried to go to see a mental health professional, then you know I think it's it's certainly a positive. So I guess growing my growing my um my following i guess would be would be where i want to go with it because the more people who know the better yeah that's yes the thing is joe like you're more accessible you're a young guy um you're on a platform or a place where people can find you easily if someone had an experience like you had when you were younger going to see an elder who you think is a point of authority but they speak to you like a child not like an ad a human being um it's going to put you off confiding in someone again whereas they see you and it's they can dm you dm them back so um so with that joe people where would they find you uh, <laughs> seamless well, <laughs> well my instagram is at headfirst with a zero at the end i always get asked why the zeros at the end it's because headfirst wasn't available <laughs> and the guy does, is not intent on giving it up so um <laughs> it's headfirst zero on instagram um my name's Joe O'Brien, if you want to search that too. I also have a podcast which is on Spotify as of last week or the week before, um, and that's called Head First Podcast, and it's by me. Nice. So uh, you can uh, search that. It's on Spotify and it's on Podbean at the moment. Great. Thank you, Jay. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is supported by our sponsors, Om Apparel men's clothing company for fellas that want to move on or off the mat yoga is in the dna and it's reflected in everything they do from being kinder to the environment by using sustainable recycled fabrics to their recycled paper packaging and focus on fellas health their fabrics are eco-certified because our planet needs to be looked after peeps go to om.com forward slash hashtag tylp check out a full range of eco-active wear for men Use the promo code KEVIN at checkout for 15% off. That's KEVIN at checkout, 15% off. Get yourself some garms, look after the planet, look good while you do it. Last but most definitely not least, small changes. Whole food store based here in Dublin, Ireland. They are opening up their second branch and uh, they are, no, there's no commission, there's no online offering at the moment, but go down there have an interaction with someone, speak to them, buy your groceries, reduce your waste, look after yourself, look after the environment, you know, look after your body, it's the only place you have to live, but you also have the world to live in, so yeah, let's look after that too. Thanks so much for listening, hope you have a powerful week, please share with your friends on Instagram stories if you enjoy this, give us an old shout out, and if you're free May 25th, come to my handstand workshop man, woman, whatever gender you are, it's uh, all information is on kevinboyyoga.ie. Check it out, have a browse, get in touch, be good, take care.